Hmm. And in so many ways, a leadership team for a pastor is sharing your chariot with the people that God has put around you that have possibly even more capacity than you do for influence and wisdom. It's surrounding yourself by people even better than you. And that's really, really important principle. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live in. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Welcome back to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Christian Huntley, and joining me is my dad, Ron. Welcome back. Great to be here. You're an old pro now. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there, you know. Um, awesome. And some of you might be thinking, like, okay, looks like he's dressed uh, for a tea time after this or something. And <laughs> the joke's on you because I do have a tea time to get to <laughs> after this. I'm really excited about it. But um, You say that now. It's going to be 30 degrees. You're going to be like a puddle out there. It's overcast. <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, yeah, no, but... Uh, Happy to be here. Um, this is becoming more and more fun as we do it more <laughs> often. So, um, yeah, just by the, by the way, for those of you who haven't tuned into an episode like this before, this is our third one um, where Dad is the the uh, guest, and I'm interviewing him on on the insights that he's picked up through his time in parish renewal. Um, these episodes are on YouTube if you're not watching us right now, if you're listening audio only. Um, feel free to go over and check that out. Um, if you subscribe and comment, it, it helps us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So can I ask you a question? How do you sure. consume like, you know, podcasts, audio, video, like what's the, what do you think the trends are? It's yeah. fun to get on YouTube and, and do this. I love watching Jordan Peterson and, yeah. and the stuff that he does. And, and so, but h- how do you consume? Definitely. Um, it depends. I find it hard. Oh, geez. I'm falling apart here. Uh, <laughs> I find it hard to, um, listen to certain podcasts and not take notes. So as much as I love to do it while I'm driving, um, it's hard for me because I'm like, oh, I got to listen to this all over again. <laughs> what a waste of time. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll listen uh, on audio while I'm making food. Uh, that's an easy one because then I can have my notepad out. Neat. Um, and then I love watching in-person podcasts Okay. in video, um, which this one is. Um yeah, that's that's kind of how I do it. Do you, do you you don't consume as much as I do? I don't no, know. No, not yeah. anymore. I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks while I was traveling. Yeah. And most of the time I was cool with that. Like I listened to War and Peace. It was so cool. It took me like 4 months. It was <laughs> the longest book ever. And yet I'm like you, like sometimes when I'm listening and it's a really meaty topic, I'm like, "Ah, oh, I need to be taking notes." And so that can be tricky and like watching some of them. I don't think I watch as many as you do, that's for sure. But I do watch, like I say, I think I watch some of your shout out to Jordan Peterson. Yeah, <laughs> He's a Bishop Baron. And yeah. It's been fun. And so I, I guess it's probably a combination. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Just that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's why we're on a bunch of different platforms. That's Everyone right, has yeah. their own way of doing things. So, um, yeah. So episode three, our um, topic for today is building your leadership team. Yes. So, Would you like to preface that? Sure. Building your leadership team is a tricky, tricky proposition. It's really daunting and intimidating for so many people. But the whole idea is we can, 
we're much more successful leading out of a team than we are by ourselves. I heard a pastor say one time, you know, the priesthood is a benign dictatorship. <laughs> and, mm. and the truth is, if you're leading from your own perspective, you only have your own perspective. And it's not as complete as you think it is, no matter how much education you have, how wise you think you are. Collective wisdom will trump individual pursuit every single time. Mm. You want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go as a team. And so a leadership team and learning how to lead out of a team is a really important part of parish transformation. And in fact, I believe I that it's one of the foundational things if you're not willing to do that. Well, certainly when it comes to coaching, right from the very beginning when I started coaching seven years ago, I wouldn't coach anyone unless they're willing to work out of a team because, I, to be honest, I don't have enough confidence in any one person other than Jesus himself. <laughs> <laughs> and even he, <laughs> I would argue, had Peter, James, and John, right. who he invested in disproportionately. And so he knew how to work out of a team to get results that don't make any sense whatsoever. And Jesus himself said, when I send the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to do even greater things than I did. And I think team is a really important part of that. Exciting. Yeah. yeah I can't wait to dive in. So um, let's start with what, what exactly is a leadership team? I think a leadership team done well is a decision-making machine. You'll be able to make better decisions as a group who are united in vision. You know what success looks like. You have the capacity to have difficult conversations with one another. You can be vulnerable. You can own your stuff. If people around you with capacity, if you have that common vision, that chemistry, that heart for for a transformed church that's making a disproportionate difference, you'll be able to make great decisions. And where you are now, where you are now, and where you're going to be in five years is a direct relationship to the quality of the decisions you make between now and then. So the better your decisions are, the more likely you are to accomplish a vision that is going to be inspiring and make a difference. Mm. So a leadership team is a decision-making machine. It's relatively small. I would suggest, personally, if you're a pastor, have no more than four people on with you. Three to four people, not more than four please and i've heard people have six and seven and eight it's an it's not as effective because you want to really engage in conversations in a significant way and the bigger the group is the less people get to contribute so some people might think well the more i have isn't it more diverse yeah i suppose so why not have 50 people on there <laughs> like it's no I would say three to four people. And I would say your leadership team is about you as the pastor. Your parish pastoral council is about the church. And so you as a pastor need people around you, I believe anyway, that to bring the best out in you, to remind you of the vision when you yourself forget and, uh, and are just as committed to sharing your leadership as you are for leading. And so, mm. yeah, awesome. So if you're not leading out of a leadership team at the moment, where do you start? Oh, if you if and if you want to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a fun question. I, 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 here's here's a way. I think there's a lot of ways you can do it. I know some people that have, you know, thought about all the people and went and asked them all at once, and then brought them together, which is great. Um, some people get a consultant and and get some help. You can do your APEST and your strength finders and understand who you are and the types of people you might need around you and get the people that. You're inviting on your team to do that as well as part of your discernment process. Uh, 
I'd say the one of the ways that I would encourage you, and I want you to think about this. So if you're listening to this podcast, lay person, because this is not just for pastors. This is lay people in ministry too. Have a team. You know, if you're so I want you to think about a time in your life. I'm gonna ask you this right now. Yeah. All right. So I want you to enter into it. Where you loved what you were doing. You were involved with a group of people, whether it was a team, whether it was a class project, it could be anything. A time in your life where you love doing what you were doing, you seem to get great results with your team, and you're having a ton of fun. Yeah. Can you, you think of a time? Yeah, you've also asked me this question okay, before. Okay, I what was exactly your answer? You. It's my play-on team from, uh, um, what, what year was that? For graduating maybe? junior high high school no grade 11 or something grade okay. 12 grade 12 so what's the play on team for the listeners? yeah it's a road hockey tournament <laughs> completely recreational and very Hel- canadian and yeah and it used to be hosted in halifax uh they're across canada probably maybe across the world i don't know yeah um but yeah supposed to be super fun and and a good time to just hang out with your friends but it gets so competitive <laughs> we, it, we we were in it for uh, like we probably entered like six times and, and we sucked <laughs> you know when we started and, and but we wanted to win so bad and and we finally did uh in our grade 12 year and then they shut down the tournament after that so we are defending <laughs> champs <laughs> to this day um but yeah that's the team that comes to mind that's awesome that's yeah. so beautiful and so if you're listening too what's what's that time what's that moment and so here's the other questions as it relates to that uh, who was it on that team that you enjoyed working with the most? Not that you didn't enjoy everybody, but who did you enjoy mo- working with the most who brought out the best in you and you had the most fun with? Oh, interesting. Um, didn't see that one coming, did you? No, yeah, <laughs> we haven't done this one before. Um, two guys, for sure. I think it would be two guys on that team because um, one of them is... I want you to pick one. I want you to think okay. about one. It's okay. It's okay because... Multiple people can bring out the best in you, but I want you to pick one, and there's a reason for it. You don't have to say their name. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You got it? Uh, yeah. Okay, commit. Uh, Did yeah, you commit in your head? Yeah. Okay. That so tough, That was a tough decision. I know. Well, that's great that it was a tough decision. I, I yeah. like that. So yeah. what is it about them that you liked the most um, in terms of working with them in that project? They had a certain tenacity and like, um, just w- willingness to get it done, like regardless of what it took, and okay. and um, didn't have any trouble making tough decisions. But it was easy to respect, like like there, there was crucial conversations that had to be had during <laughs> that tournament, and yeah. uh, this guy would have no problem doing that. But it, there was everyone respected it because of the way that he would put himself on the line for the team right it's like i'm gonna do it so when it's time for you to do it you better step up right i think so that that was cool like i was a little bit more hesitant to maybe do that but uh but this person would do it yeah and that was something and how did that make you better um well i I had to push myself and uh to kind of bring myself up to his level of compete and um it allowed me to like I, I think I'm more of a when it comes to team dynamics, I'm probably more of a soft touch, like like relational person. And so like um I could almost pick up in his wake. Right. <laughs> if yeah, you will. Yeah. And it, I didn't have to be the one that, that uh 
that drove the conversations, but I could kind of um, focus more on what I do better, I think, is being the glue on a team like that. So Neat. Um, I think it complemented each other pretty well. Right. Mm-hmm. So his drive elevated you and your, your ability to tend to relationships and the team kept things together and so together you did great work what would he what would that person say about you what would they say that if if they were what would you think they would say about you in terms of why they like working with you um we definitely had an element of trust both of us right so um but he'd probably say that i'm unselfish and and probably that like I have included her as a top strength team and, mm-hmm. and, and so like and that's how I it, that manifests in sports a lot and, and just I want to make sure that everyone's firing on all cylinders and it won't <laughs> stand for people that want to leave the other guys behind like that that doesn't really work for me so I, I wonder um, if you'd probably say something about that but then also like yeah, hopefully competent as well. Like I, I was, I was always ready to step on the, the, the gas pavement. No, no, <laughs> sorry, I was gonna say the ice, but it's, it was road hockey. Um, when when I needed to be when there, you were so. called on. Yeah. yeah, love it. And so what's fun about that. It was fun to do this live. Like anybody yeah. watching or listening is going, this doesn't sound rehearsed. I good because it wasn't. That. <laughs> Welcome to coaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's cool about that is I want you to be in touch and if you're the listener i want you to be in touch with that person name the person name the character the qualities that you like about them that they like about you and i would say to you find that person for your leadership team and find them first Mm -hmm. find them first and go ask them to join you and 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 how do you ask you have the i see in you conversation that's what that's, that means. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's, that was in your notes. Yeah. <laughs> and so if if I was going to recruit you, if you're that guy for me, and I have, we have had this conversation. Kirshen, you know, one of the things I see about you is your ability to think thoroughly through problems, to really double down solving problems, puzzles, things that are difficult, and bringing the level of thinking that's required if we're going to be great and have a great impact. And I wonder if, because I know I would really benefit from that, and I'd love to work with you as we work on building this ministry to have a big impact as possible. Is that something you think you might ever feel called to? Is that something you'd pray about? Because I see in you a capacity to do amazing things, and if we work together, great things could happen would you pray about that? Would you consider coming on board and taking this role? And right, so it's that that type of I mm. see in you, not I have a hole. Could you fill it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. what am I gonna do? This is terrible. I don't have this person. It's like, no. I actually, I think you have the gifts that could do unbelievable things. And if we work together, this is the impact we could have. And that's how you recruit people to anything. Care about them see the best in them, call the best out in them, and invite them to partner to make a difference. And in doing that, and that's exactly how years ago Father James invited me to join St. Benedict Parish. That's exactly partnering with Father Sammy Maletta in Indiana. That's exactly how he invited me to take on, to, to reconsider what I do and how I do it. And, and when, you, when you see the best in people and call out the best in people, boy, it just... Again, it's almost this vision for what's possible. 
And it's calling me to step into the person God created me to be. If you're honest and you're earnest and you're really looking for that. And so find that person first. Have the IC and you conversation. From there, it's like, who else do we need? And so you can you can do it a couple different ways. That's my favorite ways to find find that person first who's going to bring the best out in you. And then find out, okay, based on our strengths, what else do we need? And continue to put the pieces in place. You're always looking for people that are highly competent. We often talk about FACT. Are they faithful, available, contagious, and teachable? Faithful, what does that mean? Well, you know, when I'm inviting somebody to be a helper on an alpha team, they just need to be faithful to the alpha process. They don't even have to be a Christian yet, actually. I've brought atheists back on team because I'm still hoping to bring them closer to Christ to the point where they have that impact or they have that experience and that encounter. But as long as they're faithful to the alpha process, that's all I need. But if I'm asking them to be the facilitator, the host at alpha, well, I need them to be faithful to Jesus, faithful to the teachings of the church. Uh, And if I'm asking them to be uh, on the leadership team, again, I need them to be faithful to the teachings of the church. I need the highest level of faithfulness. Available means their yes is a yes. Do they do what they say they're going to do? Because that's really important. I've had a lot of competent people that I've called into leadership, but I can't count on them because their life's too busy right now or something's happened, and that's okay. But I can't lead at that level with people who I can't count on. And so I really need that availability that, that when you say you're going to do something, you actually do it. And contagious is are you relevant to your peer group? Like you might be really smart or really committed, but if if relationally you're not connecting with other people, they don't respect you, then you're not going to have the level of influence that is required to lead at that level. And teachability is, is mutual respect. Like, we can disagree on stuff, but if my idea is better than your idea, or if my perspective trumps your perspective, do you have the humility to embrace that, listen, and adjust and I need to be able to do the same thing. It's not like the leader always has the, the right perspective. <laughs> not even close. And so that uh, teachability takes a level of humility, willingness to work together. And so those are things you're looking for when you're calling some, when you're looking to create a team, which I hope brings you great consolation as a pastor because you want to bring people around you that you enjoy spending time with, that you have chemistry with, so that you can spend more time on the key things than managing relationships that are starting from a place of brokenness and or lack of unity of vision and so on. So Mm. I, I would start with the person that makes you the best and then build on that so that together you'll make each other the best. Yeah, exciting. I'm taking notes here too. So <laughs> stepping into a leadership position on my hockey team for this upcoming season. And it's just like we want to make sure we're building that kind of culture. So yeah, isn't that super cool? Relevant. That it's relative no, for yeah, relevant to I'm that listening too. to this podcast in real time. So um <laughs> how do you know if it isn't working? Yeah. How do you know your leadership team isn't working if you're stuck? And you're going to get stuck multiple times, let's be clear. (laughs) The more you lead, every single time you lead into something, it'll often start with this sense of opportunity, possibility, and hope. And there'll be some momentum heading in a direction that's exciting. And you will eventually plateau. Mm -hmm. It is normal. And that requires breakthroughs. And those breakthroughs require personal evolution as leaders, all of you. 
And sometimes people aren't willing to go there. The further you go in this process, this journey of transformation, it begins to expose whether or not we're really on the same page with vision. And so every now and again, the, the depth of our vision is going to be challenged. And it might be challenged for all of us, including the clergy. And it's like, yeah, I really don't want, I really don't believe in that. It's like, oh, now you tell me. Nah. <laughs> but but it's okay. It's normal. Like, It's like, I didn't think you really meant we were going to go that far. No, I really meant it. I don't know if I can go there. I don't know if I want to move. And that's okay. It's not uncommon for leadership teams to get to a certain place in their evolution. And the person, you know, some of the people on that team help them to get to that place, but might not be the people to go forward. And that's okay. But if you're stuck and you stay stuck, what's going to happen is, and how you know it's not going to, you don't look forward to going to the meetings anymore. Uh, those meetings drain you. You're not doing what you said. People aren't doing what they said they were going to do anymore. So you start to lose momentum. You get stuck. You feel stuck and you stay stuck. That's how you know it's not working. You can't have real conversations anymore. You're having meetings outside the meetings because the level of honesty and rigor that used to happen in the meetings aren't happening anymore. And people are shutting down. They're not showing up. Their body language shows it. Their output and, and excitement shows it. There's so many signs when things aren't working. And we need to deal with those problems sooner rather than later. Yeah. Cool. Um this might be kind of feeding into that same question, but what if you have the wrong people? Mm. Um, yeah, is that is that a different subject? Would you say? No, no, okay. I think it's I think that can be one of the root causes yeah. of. And if you have the wrong people, and and here's the key thing about leadership team meetings. So, so let me just say this, and then we'll put that into perspective. Mm. Leadership team meetings should probably be meeting every single week for a minimum of two hours. And you're thinking, two-hour meeting? Oh, my gosh. The meetings have to be incredibly engaging and incredibly fun. And if they're not, get help to get there because nothing worse than a bad meeting, even if it's a half an hour. <laughs> bad meetings are bad meetings. But great meetings are a ton of fun. I had one just the other day, and it was a 90-minute meeting because I was coaching online into their leadership team meeting, modeling it for them. 90 minutes was over, and I'm like, we're out of time. And the woman's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> and I asked them on a scale of one to 10, how did you think you did on today's leadership team meeting? And they all said 10. And when you're having level 10 meetings, you're having so much fun. Time just goes by. But if, if it's dragging on, you'll know. But you need to be having meetings every week because truly, if you're leading well and you're leading renewal, there are a lot of decisions to make. And there are a lot of things that we need to discuss so that we stay on track. The other thing is, People on the leadership team, I always encourage the pastor to meet with them every week as well. And so there's tactical meetings that are very relational that happen outside the leadership team meeting, and then there's when we get together. And when you're not having those one-on-one -on -one meetings, I guarantee you it's going to devolve the effectiveness and the joy of the leadership team meeting. So I, I need to say that. And that's one of the common mistakes I see pastors make. Shortcuts on the one-on-one -on -one meetings, trying to do everything in the leadership team meetings, and I'm telling you, it's a recipe for disaster every time. It's just a matter of time. And so that's really important to know. And so when you have the wrong person, you don't just wake up one morning and go, oh, that's the wrong person. You see signs of it over time. And so I might see signs of that in the meeting. And then in my one-on-one -on -one meetings, I follow that up. And so it might be something like this. Christian, I notice in the meetings you're a little edgier than you've been lately. Are you okay? Like, care enough about the person to notice. Or, or maybe you're not engaging as much as you used to. 
and, and I'm watching your energy levels go down. Are you okay? What's going on? Like, ask the questions. Don't let that happen for six months or three months and then ask the question because sometimes the damage can't be undone. There can be a time that the damage can't be undone. And so notice those things quickly. But if we notice them and it's like, yeah, Ron, I'm not so sure that I'm enjoying it as much as I did before. Okay, how come? Well, maybe it's a relational thing. Well, I'm going to help you solve that relationship in the team. Or it might be, you know what? It's because I'm getting, you know, I'm going through this thing at work and I'm up for a promotion. I'm going to have to put in more time. And, you know, so the availability is going to decrease. And I want to be able to bring what I bring to the team. And I can't do it anymore. And I haven't been able to talk to you about it. But you should be able to work those things out in your one-on-one meetings. And if we keep talking about it and keep talking about it and you keep saying yes, but I continue to watch your energy levels drop, then it's going to be like, Christian, I'm not so sure that this is for you going forward. I think I've watched your energy levels drop. You're not seeing it. (laughs) I keep talking to you about it, as you know, and I think that's been frustrating for you. But there's something missing, and, and it's okay. But it looks like going forward, maybe as we get into the new year, I think I'd like to ask you to step down. I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you for all the work you've done to get us to this point. But there's another level that I need, and I just feel like we're going in different directions in terms of commitment to the team. And I'd ask you to step down. And I know that's hard to do, but the truth is our mission always has to take precedent. It doesn't mean we just treat people poorly or cut them and say, ah, I've done with you. No, we have to do it with pastor. We have to give them we have to give them an out. We have to give them the opportunity to, to leave with their head high. But we have to make sure that we keep the, the pedal down when it comes to commitment yeah. and passion and focus. And that will wane over time. So if I had that same conversation with you and you said, yeah, you know what? I'm really struggling with this right now. The next three months, I'm really doing this course and it's so hard. It's like, great. Let's pray for you. We're all going to intercede for you. I'm going to give you that slack for the next three months because I believe in you. I know you still believe, but you do have other things that's understandable. But there's a window there, so I can work with that. Mm -hmm. But if it's just this nebulous ongoing decline in something that we need to get to the next level, or if it's a competency thing, and it's like you're not able to have the support meetings that you need to have with the key people that you support. And although we've tried, we've brought in help, and we've done all kinds of other things, and you still can't do it, then I'm going to have to have that conversation. And I'm going to be working with you over time, so I'm not going to save it for one explosive surprise. I'm going to work with you on it, but if you're not able to do the things that are required to be a blessing to the other people, then it's going to, again, I'm going to have to ask you to step down. And that's hard. Like as a leader, those are the last conversations in the world we want to have. But if we're going to continue to grow in impact and competency and fruitfulness, then there are going to be times when people tap out in terms of their ability in certain areas. And it's normal. It's okay. And that includes us. We're going to have to continue to evolve, learn, and grow. Mm. Um, Just as you're talking about commitment there. Yes. A lot of times there are lay people on these leadership teams and um, what does the commitment look like for them? Like, are they always paid? Are they volunteer? Good question. Yeah. yeah. It varies. Like, so many of the churches that I coach, they don't have any staff. 
or they might have a part-time secretary or, you know, somebody that works two days a week here and somebody else three days a week over here. And so to match those schedules for consistent leadership team meetings would do two things. It would take up all their hours of ministry. So that wouldn't happen. And, and then in other cases, what would happen is they couldn't get them together because of the varying time schedules. And so not uncommon at all, even for people who have staff to use volunteers on their leadership team. Because again, I remember working with a group years ago that they had a huge staff and the pastor didn't bring any of them around his leadership team because they were really good at doing what they did, but they didn't think broader. And he just wasn't at a place with some of them to to believe that they had that capacity. And so he didn't call any of them onto the leadership team. It certainly transformed the way he hired going forward. And then some of those people became part of his leadership team and he let the, some of the volunteers, he transitioned them off. But mm. it's not uncommon for people to have a completely volunteer leadership team, a hybrid, or even some people that are hired. And so, yep. Interesting. Um, do you have any advice for people who are being asked? Yeah, to, to say join. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. No, yeah. Just kidding. Uh, you know, one of the things I see time and time again, and I find it so beautiful, is oftentimes when people are asked, they don't feel worthy. Mm. Like, I could never do that. I am not that person. And I just love that humility. You know, the opposite is true. Some people feel like, I should be on there. And that's a red flag. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> because, you know, in Patrick Lencioni's book, The Ultimate, the Ideal Team Player, talks about three characteristics are you hungry humble and smart and smart means people smart but the of those three values the most important one is humility and so if somebody's demanding to be on the leadership team dude (laughs) you're not (laughs) that's a sure sign that you shouldn't be there you should be willing to play whatever role you're invited to play for god's glory and the impact for others and if that's not your perspective that's problematic however a lot of times people feel like they couldn't do it, they shouldn't do it, there's people better than them, and all those other things. And I just love that. And honestly, when we talk about a leadership team, leadership team is share, sharing the pastor's leadership. It's not supporting the pastor. You're not a sounding board for the pastor. You're literally sharing your pastor's leadership. There's a scripture in, in the book of Samuel. And King David is one of the generals in Saul's army. And they went out on this voyage and kicking butt and taking names, so to speak. And and then the scripture talks about them returning home. And what would happen would be Saul would stop with his army. He would send a person ahead of them into town saying they're coming back and everybody would come out to welcome them home. And Saul would tell his army, like, you guys wait here, give me five minutes. I'm going to go first to get all the glory. And the, the women are throwing rose petals and, oh, King Saul, King Saul. He killed hundreds and hundreds. And he's, I can see his hair flowing in the background mm-hmm. on his chariot, smiling and looking all valiant, sliding his chariot sideways to park it. <laughs> and waving yeah. to the crowd, blowing <laughs> kisses to all the ladies. And, and then all of a sudden the army comes in and uh, King David came second. And... People started screaming, King, or, or sorry, not King David, David came second. And they, the women started screaming, David, David, he killed thousands upon thousands. And Saul went, what? You said I killed hundreds and hundreds and you're giving him more credit than you gave me? Really? And David became his arch enemy. He literally sought out to kill his most valuable asset on his team. 
And to be honest with you, Christian, I see that in churches. I see it a lot. People of high capacity, they become ostracized and pushed aside and become rendered useless in churches all the time because sometimes pastors have this King Saul attitude because they make it about them, not their success, not the mission, their own popularity, their own adoration, you know, people enjoying and appreciating them more than others. And I think that's that's a tragedy. What would that same story have looked like if if Saul had sent that person ahead to say, hey, listen, let people know that we're coming, and then to look at David and say, David, you are by far the number one butt kicker in this mm-hmm. army, and I wouldn't have been able to, we would not have been able to do what we did if you weren't who you were. I want you to feel what it's like to ride in with me to receive the adulation of all of our people. Jump in my chariot. What if they went in together? What if he shared his chariot with the people that he knew were his biggest contributors? That would have been a very different outcome. Mm. And in so many ways, a leadership team for a pastor is sharing your chariot with the people that God has put around you that have possibly even more capacity than you do for influence and wisdom. It's surrounding yourself by people even better than you. And that's really, really important principle in terms of building your leadership team. And if you're being asked by your pastor, especially if they're being coached by me (laughs) and probably others, but if you're being coached by me and your pastor asks, it's because he believes that you will make him better and that together you can have an impact in your parish that will glorify God and reach others. Say yes. You can always step down later. But say yes, it's going to transform your life, your marriage, your business, and it's going to be one of the most rewarding things that's ever happened. Uh, Christina Folan did a podcast with me. I think it's podcast number 71. And it was supposed to be about communication, but it was way more than communication, as it turns out, because these podcasts are live conversations. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was such a beautiful insight into a life transformed. And to be honest with you, that happens to almost everyone who continues to submit themselves to this doing life together from a leadership perspective out of a team. And so sometimes for pastors, like I don't want to ask these people, they're busy, they have families, they have other jobs, and you don't realize how much people love you as a pastor, respect your priesthood, love God and the church, and if given the chance, would lay their life down to serve with you in a way that would get results. And time and time again, that can be a reason that pastors will will not ask mm. but i think no let really competent people make their own decisions if you see something in them that would make you great make your parish great and have a greater impact let them say no and if you're being asked don't say no <laughs> <laughs> give it a try yeah. for six months a year no, and then evaluate yeah i was just thinking of father sammy Maletta's uh episode as well i'm pretty sure that was number 80 okay uh just a beautiful story of of um, turning from a place of jealousy towards the yes, the associate, yeah, yeah, like he had, he had, I think he had two separate uh, experiences with uh, associate priests, mm-hmm. years apart. Yes, learned so much from the first one, and completely Bookends, changes. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, just very, really interesting insight into kind of what we were talking about. If you want to go back and listen to that, yeah, as well. Um, does this work for bishops? 
I I don't know that it wouldn't work for anybody, mm. to be honest with you. In, in in any scenario, I think it works for lay people as well. But you know, the bishops have their curia, and I think that's great. We need them. Like, do so much great work. But could we learn to lead out of teams? Could we, we could we strive for high performance teams versus working groups? Yes. Would that transform a bishop's ability to make decisions? A hundred percent. So often. As with everyone else, no different for a bishop. But when I meet them, when I see, I see right away because I have um, a ranger is one of my top strength themes, and I can see really quickly what people bring to the table and what they need around them to be great. Like it's just so natural for me to see that. Mm. And so often they're not leading like that, and so therefore they're not having the impact they could have, and they have no idea why. And then even sometimes when they bring teams around them, they don't know how to set up a relationship where people can have the type of honest conversations so that those blind spots are reduced and that we can grow in our impact because sometimes we treat people really strange because of their their authority or their position. And I see people treat bishops in ways that are just not helpful when it comes to the quality of the decisions and conversations we need to have to glorify God. We're not here to glorify the bishop. We're here to glorify Jesus. And if, and if they can learn to have, to create the space where we can have honest, really cool conversations so the decisions we're making are awesome so that my ego never gets in the way, your ego never gets in the way, and that we can trust each other and have those meetings over and over and over again, not because there's problems to be solved, but because there's opportunities to be had when it comes to vision, mission, and impact. Of course it can work for bishops, but boy, I'll tell you, I see very few of them doing that and and here's the reason most people don't do it i'm too busy (laughs) and so i get it but too busy doing what because the legacy you're going to leave is a direct relationship to the quality of the decisions you make and your decisions are not going to be that good just because you're a bishop you can do way better with your decisions if you're leading out of a team than you ever will by yourself even though you're praying all the time even though you're discerning i think our discernment is even more robust when we're doing it with people that share our vision and that are willing to have the conversations necessary so that together we make the best decisions possible Wow. Um, what happens to the leadership team if there's a pastor change, specifically like in the church, right? I don't see us doing that particularly well mm-hmm. in my lifetime. I think part of the reason is we just think a priest is a priest is a priest. As long as we do church and do the sacraments and do things the way you're supposed to, we should be able to pull them in and out everywhere. It's like, well, maybe that worked at one point in time. It doesn't work anymore. Particularly, and I've seen it happen, that churches that I've coached have changed. And first of all, I won't coach a church unless there's a commitment to long-term leadership because this stuff takes time. Right. And honestly, if I'm a bishop and I see somebody has incredible capacity and they actually begin to understand leadership and getting start not only being fruitful but sustainable fruitfulness and they're growing in their fruitfulness, I would keep them there as long as they were fruitful. And then I would use that place, that church, as a place to train people to learn how to lead and then mission them out from there. But oftentimes we don't do that and we take people and then we move them. And I often say, and it's often a very painful time, one of the things I hear is, you know, we got to get this church working so well that when the next priest comes, we can just keep going. And I promise you, there's nothing that a poor leader can't tear down in three to six months. <laughs> and I see it over and over and over again. And then when you disengage great people, there's a lot of pain that that causes. And to get that momentum back isn't a sure thing. 
and it's often done with different people. But I know for us, when Father James stepped down and began to work in, for our bishop, um, supporting priests and leadership, it was a really exciting time. Father James asked me to stay on because I'd already stepped away too in terms of my role at St. Benedict Parish to be a full-time coach at, at Divine Renovations. We were launching the ministry. But I was, I was on the leadership team, and Father asked me to stay there for a year. Father James or Father Simon's a completely different leader. And the truth is, I think I really complimented Father James well. <laughs> I had a ton of fun. I love, 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 loved every minute that I led with him and had a chance to serve on the leadership team with him. He makes meetings absolutely hilarious and fun and engaging. I just can't say enough about how much fun that was. And Father Simon leads differently. And I realized, and we would brought Bill Scullard on the team at the time, and and uh, at six months, I just said to Father Simon one day, because I was seeing that I wasn't able to contribute at the level that I had before. And I wasn't bringing, I didn't feel like I was bringing as much value in that current situation. So I felt I was one of the wrong people at one point, not because it was destructive or distracting, but I don't think I was adding value anymore. And so I remember pulling him outside and just saying, Father Simon, you know, I think it's time for me to step away. Like, I love you. I love where we're going. I love what we're doing. But I don't know that I bring any extra value at this time. And I really don't think you need me. You have great people around you who are equally committed. And I think the direction you're headed is awesome. Um, I'd love to be able to step down knowing that if you need me, I'll come back in a heartbeat. Like, I love you. I love where we're going. I trust your leadership. I, as a leader, he was a... He was probably the most well-rounded, one of the most well-rounded leaders I'd ever had the privilege of working with. Um, I think Father James and I are both a little bit lopsided in different areas, <laughs> which was good. It, it served us well as we lived, worked out of a team, but he was more well-rounded. And, and, uh, and I loved, he said, Ron, you're right. And I thought, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, when should we let people know? I said, how about right now? <laughs> <laughs> so he walked in. We said the story. I got up and left, and they continued with the meeting. <laughs> and I carried on. Um, and it truly was time for me to, to step away. And there is a time for adjourning. And it's okay. Sometimes things have a season and a timeline. But I think when a pastor leaves, one of the advice I have to the leadership team is offer, first of all, the person coming in, don't assume that they think this project is a good project. Because if, if they aren't doing it themselves, they probably have no idea what it looks like and what's involved. And if they did know what it looked like and what's involved, they wouldn't necessarily say yes. And so don't make that assumption. And the second thing is they're going to need their people. And you might not be their people. Just like, like again, incredible love and respect between Father Simon and I. Yet what he needs around him to be great, I might not necessarily be that person. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so be willing to step away. And so, again, I know at the beginning of Father's Simon's tenure, he asked us if we'd continue staying on for the next year with him so that he could evaluate. And I just thought that was so wise. And so whether it's six months, whether it's a year, be willing to stay for the transition. But don't attach yourself to that role. It's not a role of privilege. It's a role of service. Mm. And so just like... 
on your hockey team, depending on when you were making like your guys were making a run for the Vanier Cup that year. The Vanier. The Va- oh, okay. What was it? The that's a different what, sport. What's the, yeah, that's <laughs> football. That's too. What's the name the, of it? The Memorial. The Cup. Memorial. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Scullard's listening, going, "What yeah. a guy!" <laughs> Gonna get that wrong. So, but you guys brought in some different talent, which meant that your position change and you had a choice am i willing to play a different role but your your goal was to win that championship with your coach and the rest of your team well i hope at your parish your hope is and your goal is collectively to make as many new disciples as possible and then turn them into missionary disciples and if that's the case are you willing to play any role and if you're not that's a red flag Mm. and so it's okay to step away and again don't assume that person's willing to Hoping, lead, willing to lead out of a team, and even if he is, don't assume you're the person. Give them the freedom to reassign you and do it with humility. Yeah. Can we talk about some common mistakes and pitfalls that are made when leading out of a team? When leading out of a team. The number one I kind of alluded to earlier, and that is you stop having one-on-one meetings. Why? Because you're too busy or you don't think people need it. Time and time again, we... I've seen leaders do this. Hey, Christian, you're a great, you're a great, uh, great leader. That's a, take this role. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, you're going to be able to take on the music ministry. Isn't that great? Uh, listen, if you have any problems, my door is always open. So we recruit really competent people, and we have this open door leadership principle or way of doing things. And here's the problem. Your most competent people are the least likely to seek you out when they have problems because they know how busy you are. They take that into account and they don't want to bother you. So the very people that if you invested in them could have the biggest difference are the very people you spend the least amount of time with. And who do you spend the most time with? The least competent people who complain the most. It's like that's a terrible strategy for parish renewal. And yet we think we're doing a good job because we're saying, hey, my door's always open. Come see me if you have any problems. Here's the thing. People aren't problems to be solved. They're opportunities to be maximized. I remember years ago, uh, my friend Wayne, uh, we were trying to get together, and because of my busyness, I kept having to put it off. And I started feeling really self-conscious about it because I love this guy. He's one of my mentors. I love spending time with him. But if you say no to somebody a certain amount of times, all of a sudden you start to think, they, they might start to think, oh, maybe they don't want to spend time with me anymore. That wasn't the case. And so I apologize. I'm so sorry. He says, it's okay. I hope you're busy doing the things that all great leaders do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what are great leaders busy doing? Like, I don't have a clue. Thankfully, he went on to say, to invest in places where you get a five-fold return on your investment. To invest in people where you get a five-fold return on your investment. And that really stuck with me. Because we only have so much time and so much, so much emotional energy. And if we're spending all that time trying to live up to everybody else's expectation of us, we'll probably have very little time for the important things and the important people. And so we need to prioritize. We need to understand who has God put around us that he's inviting us to invest disproportionately in. And you think about the parable of the talents. You know, the landowner was going away. I'm going to give you five talents, you two talents, and you one. And I'm coming back, and I'm expecting a return. And when he comes back, the person who had five had ten. He said, way to go. I'm putting you in charge of ten cities. You're so faithful. 
The person that had two turned it into four. That's awesome. So faithful. Four cities for you. And the person that had one gave him back his one. Really? Like what you have I gave you and you did nothing with it? And you're giving it back to me because you thought I was such a bad guy? Really? Like didn't have many good things to say about that person. He didn't give that talent to the person with four to even it up a bit. He gave it to the person with ten. Which tells me God knows where to place his resources to get a disproportionate return on investment. Mm. And as I said earlier, you know, we think we're being really nice when we treat everybody the same. Jesus didn't treat everybody the same. He had 12 apostles. 12. <laughs> and of those 12, he spent a disproportionate amount of time with Peter, James, and John. Jesus knew how to invest disproportionately to create a movement. And one of the mistakes I see time and time again is leaders, bishops and priests included, will try to treat everybody the same because that's one of their core values. And I just, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's an assumed value that the church should treat everybody the same, but that it shouldn't. We only have so much time. Invest your time in places where you'll get a disproportionate investment of your time. And again, one of the common mistakes I see is that priests will stop investing regularly in their leadership team. I always say they should have their primary, <laughs> their Peter, James, and John, or their leadership team, the chair of their parish pastoral council, and the chair of their finance council. And if they have clergy, deacons, and so on, their clergy team. That's where they should spend the lion's share of their leadership time, which means that's going to be less time for things that they may have done before. And so one of the pitfalls is they try to do everything they've done before, and they start leading differently. And then they burn out because the very fact that you're going to start to lead on purpose, it's going to cause you to look at your schedule and make decisions and stop doing some of the things you used to do before. And that's hard because people have expectations of, of you. And so part of that transition is dealing with expectations of the, of the, the staff also of the parishioners. And so it's a transition. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a transition of prioritizing your time. And you need to support your team consistently and then love others through the organizational structure. And I know we'll get to that at some point that you build in your church. And that's leadership. But so often we're just running around dealing with the tyr tyranny of the urgent. And as a result of that, we never really begin to create a movement. And that's one of the major mistakes I see. The other major mistake from the other people on the team is they don't say anything. Mm. Oh, Father, we'll get around to it. No, take ownership of your one-on-one -on -one meetings. Hold them accountable to your one-on-one -on -one meetings. Don't be passive. I know they're busy, but they're going to continue to get sucked into the whirlwind of ministry, and you're not going to say anything. Then you come to the leadership team meetings, and why? The quality of those meetings decreases. You take responsibility for that, too. It's your fault, too. I hold it's not just the pastor that's responsible for the leadership of the church. If he's inviting you on the leadership team, I hold them all accountable to the principles that make things great. And it's consistently investing in the right people, even when there aren't problems to be solved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let's go back over benefits to leading <laughs> the team, too, just to, to leave on a positive note, because this is really important stuff. And it's, yeah. it really is fun when you are are in a healthy, high-performing leadership team. You know, What's it been like for you? Because I started leading out of a team in this ministry not that long ago, and you're on the team. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, it's super fun. I remember, like, it, almost as soon as we started, we like we had some, like, technical difficulties in getting started, 
um, just in terms of we weren't all in the same city. We were meeting on Zoom, and we had to figure right. out the structure and trying to get that the rhythm intact. But we all had a sense of, like, no, this is going to be amazing. And sure enough, it was. Like, three, four meetings in, we were having insights that um, we wouldn't have come to with with just one brain, it, any one of the four of our us. Right? Over like, and over again. Yeah, and Hannah's been a part of it as well. She's behind the camera, for those <laughs> of you who don't know my sister. And, um <laughs> Yeah, it, it, and it's it is fun. Ninety minutes goes by, it flies, and it and like, yeah, like it just you're getting you're getting mo- more than you'd be able to get on your own, right? And like you were saying, like it, it'd be really nice if we could treat everybody the same. Like that was that was that's what we a lot of us think is the right thing to do. But if you truly treated everybody the exact same, you treat everyone like terribly. You no one will get any time. That's like, so true. You only have you're you're limited in your capacity and the way to multiply your impact is by investing disproportionately in the people that will get you the return. Right. And so, um, you, you hit a wall in this ministry Mm -hmm. because you can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And so you have to delegate. And the best way to delegate is to delegate to the, the things that I'm best at to me, things that Matt's best at to him, things that Hannah's best at to her. Mm -hmm. And that way we can, we can go a lot further. Um, and then you guys are responsible for managing other relationships. Yeah. And so I get to form you guys in terms of our vision and we get to form each other. And then when you are dealing with these other teams, you're doing it with the same heart, the same vision, the same purpose. And we have to revisit that from time to time. And, mm. and it's so helpful. And so I think that's one of the benefits of leading out of a team is I come to so often we come to leadership team meetings knowing that we need to talk about a certain topic knowing that we probably have the right answer. And so we enter into the conversation. Somebody shoots that that answer, the idea down, and then all of a sudden you find yourself defending it, and then other people chime in because, again, you all want the same thing, and that's the biggest impact. And you come away with a decision on the issue that's way better than what you would have done on your own, even though you went in 100% confident that this is the way we're going to deal with the issue. That happens over and over and over again in healthy leadership teams, and it's Mm. so cool. And I think that's one of the benefits. I remember coaching Father Bob, who would coach for a number of years, and he was going to see his bishop. And he was really ramped up about it because he never gets to see his bishop. So the bishop called him, and I want an appointment with you. And as pastors, you all know what that feels like. And <laughs> and so he's like, just before the coach, he called telling me all the things he was going to tell. I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to tell him that. And, and you know, just like parishioners to pastors, they all have all the answers of, you know, what you should be doing and how the church could be better if only you did your job better. And and so it was kind of cute. He's very passionate about it. And, and so after he'd finished, I said, hey, you know, do you know what his passions are? No. Do you know what his vision is? No. Do you know what his encounter story was that the time in his life that Jesus was so real that it changes the entire trajectory of his life? No. <laughs> it became so obvious. <laughs> He said, I guess I need to start with those questions so that I can understand this leader. I said, man, wouldn't that be different? Like how often does the bishop have somebody come in and actually care about those things about him? Or do most people come in and and tell him? 
And so he's just so convicted in his heart. He's just such a beautiful man. And then I asked him, I said, well, if you did listen and listened really well so that you understood and then you summarize back to him what you heard so that he knew you connected and were listening, my guess is he'll probably have some questions for you. And if he, if he did have some questions for you, now what would you want to say? Mm. And he looked at me and his answer I didn't see coming. I just thought it was so beautiful. He'd been a priest for, I don't know, 30 years. I don't. He said, I just want him to know that this is the most fruitful time in my entire priesthood. It was just so beautiful. And time and time again in the pastors that I've had the privilege of leading, none of them would go back to leading like they used to. None of them. Because leading out of a team helps them make decisions that are way better than they ever made on their own. It also forms friendships that become like family in ways that are so life-giving and so beautiful. It takes away the stress of leadership. Leadership is hard. There's a lot of things, particularly now, that we're leading into, and we don't know the answer. And that is scary. And to be able to share that responsibility, that burden with others who are glad to take it on, it's not a burden for them. They want to be beside you. You know they want to be beside you because they love you and respect you. That takes a lot of pressure off being a pastor. And then they don't have to have all the difficult conversations because there is a structure where people are dealing with the stuff that they're responsible for. It frees them up to do the things that only a priest could do, to spend more time on preparing your homilies so your homilies come up better, to, to invest in the other clergy so they don't feel like they're utilities, that they feel like they matter and you're bringing them along with vision. It just helps them do everything they did before way better and everyone wins. And so those are the benefits of leading out of the team. And for the lay people that are on the team, your faith will be transformed. Your understanding of the church will be transformed. The call, you'll be able to realize the call that God has in your life to live your baptism in ways that don't make any sense. It brings our faith, it brings our faith as Catholics alive at levels. It's like, I don't have to be ordained to make a ginormous difference in the world. And then we can give that away to other people whose vocation is the married life or the single life. We are all called to be amazing. And if we have that sense of identity as a church and we're working together to free people up to do what they're called to do, we're going to be amazing. We're going to have a disproportionate impact. And I see it every time. It's never not worked. And so those are the benefits. Yeah, that's awesome. What is your hope for those listening today? I hope you'll consider leading out of a team. I hope you'll confront your fear if you don't lead out of a team. Like what's, what's at the root of that? And address it. Invite the Holy Spirit into that and be honest with yourself. And I also pray, too, that God will put people in your life that you can lead with that you can trust and um and for the lay people that are listening i hope that if you get asked you'll say yes and i also hope that if you don't get asked that you won't be a sourpuss about it <laughs> that you won't hold that against somebody that that you know if you feel the sense of entitlement that you'll take that to prayer because it's not helpful like what if you're willing to play whatever role that would have the biggest impact for your church. I hope that's your disposition. So I think those are some of the things that, that my hope is. And, and if you're 
transitioning priest that you'd be willing to step down and that, you know, when the time comes that if you're not the right person, I hope that you'll notice it yourself because it makes it a lot easier on the people around you. Or if your pastor has to have a conversation with you about that, that you'll be honest and either evolve and continue to increase your commitment or to graciously step down and bless and pray for your team as they continue to move forward and then transition into a different role that that is a good fit for you and you're able to make a disproportionate impact. Amazing. Mm. Um, this is the third of um, some continuing episodes we're going to do where mm. you get to speak into issues that you're passionate about. And uh, A couple times today, um, the previous episodes have kind of come into it. So yes. I, if you haven't seen those yet or haven't listened to those yet, um, please go back and watch them. Mm. Um, the first one was um, your encounter story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second was titled Your Values, Your Vision. Uh, and then this one's been building your leadership team. So, um, yeah, and and please comment or, or leave a review. Let us know um, if this is providing value to you, how we can do better. Um, it means a lot to us. Uh, that's our goal here is to, we're building up the kingdom of God by sharing our experience of, of what it is that we're passionate about and um, any way we can be more effective at doing that. We'd love to hear your feedback. So um, would you close us in prayer? Sure. All right. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thanks for, for the opportunity to connect with people through media and technology. Thank you for all the people that support us to make this possible. Thank you for all the people that we have the blessing to coach and partner with. Thank you for the people that have come alongside us financially to to help. Thank you that I get to work with such great people. Thank you for the leaders like Father James, Father Simon, Father Sammy that are implementing this and going forward and and really paving the way for others to, to learn and to take steps that will make them amazing leaders. Lord, we do want to glorify you and honor you as leaders in the church. Every parish has the opportunity and possibility to be unbelievable, to transform people's lives, to make them, to bring healing to their marriages, to make them better at, in their business as employees, help people with addictions families with struggles, young people to grow up responsibly and be equipped to live their passions and run after their dreams. But our churches need to be places that are relevant, that make people great, and that requires great leadership and great teams. Go before everyone listening. Convict their spirit, Lord, of the things that you want them to be convicted on. And then surround them by people who can help make that a reality. And Mary, I pray you would continue to intercede for all those who choose to head down this road, and even especially those that don't. <laughs> May we be nourished by your sacraments, by your word, and by authentic friendships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, 
you power.